invite you to take out this listening guide in your bulletin as we kind of turn in the corner, wrapping up this series. Um, actually, next week we'll wrap it up on Palm Sunday. We've been looking at relationships and how challenging they are. Um, all of us know that relationships are messy. And for the most part, when you look at our problems, there is no quick fix in any of our problems. And that can be discouraging. When all you see is problems in your relationships, and all you see are the problems, then it's hard to think anything else is going to come. It's hard to believe or to hope in the future. And so we can slip because of what we see in our physical world. We see in our, in our friends or in our marriage or we see in our own life when we look in the mirror. We can slip into discouragement and in, into depression very quickly just because we only see the problems. We just, they're so magnified in our life. And, and hope gets really minimized. And so it's important for us to, to, to see beyond the problem. Sometimes it's people. They'll come into our lives, and others will help us see things differently. They'll remind us of what God may be doing. They can help us to see God's evidence of his work in our lives. For example, when we're feeling stressed and buried in work, and all we see is deadlines and papers and chores to do at work, and we're just overwhelmed, someone else can kind of remind us of God's provision in our work. Yeah, it's just amazing that God has provided for us in our work. And, or they can explain how, look at how God has used this to supply for your family or for your life. And we, we're like, oh yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, my work is hard, but thank God He's provided work that provides so I can, I can support my life or my family. It sometimes helps to have someone see the possibilities. When all we see the problems, it helps to have someone come alongside and just say, look at, look at the bigger picture here. Or when our finances are really tight and we're thinking, and I don't have enough, and I'm not going to make it. And people come alongside again, and they can say, you know, God has been so faithful. And they can remind us of the ways they've seen God provide. Maybe it's family members, maybe it's friends. But again, it helps to have people give some possibilities and say, you know, look at what God has done and what He can do. Or if you're experiencing just challenges in communicating in your relationships, again, a good friend can kind of come and they can see beyond the conflict into you know, how God may be using conflict to grow you or to grow them. And, and, you know, very often we just lack hope and encouragement because our perspective, it lacks the God who is acting on our behalf. We see the problems and we, we're, part of our view is missing God himself. We don't see that God is very much involved. He's acting on our behalf and on behalf of our relationships. Here's our tendency. When we're in the midst of trying circumstances... Our tendency is to search for an explanation. We want someone to come along and provide an explanation that will do a few things for us. One is we want an explanation that will help us understand what's going on. We want to understand our struggle. We want to understand what's happening. You know, Why are these people acting the way they do? If we're having a relationship problem or challenges consistently, then we want to know why. Why are they doing this? Why am I feeling this way? And, and those are all good questions, but that's, you know, again, we want explanation. An explanation can also point us to where we should be going. That's another part of our desire to have an explanation. We want to know, like, what are the goals for this problem that we're facing in relationships? And because goals give us purpose, they give us motivation. Another thing is, we want us to. We want our explanation or an explanation that tells us how to get there. How do we get to the goals? How do we get past these things? How do we get to the sweet life, the sweet relationships? 
Tell me how to get there. What's the path? What's the plan? What are the action steps? These things are all really helpful. This is called explanation. This is what we typically want. But the problem is explanation alone is not enough. Just getting an explanation is not sufficient. It provides a little bit of an initial encouragement, but over time it fades away. It won't last. Explanations alone are not enough. And so we need something more. And this is what we want to talk about this morning. We need something that we all call imagination. Imagination is kind of a childish term, isn't it? Just saying it, you know, out loud. I feel kind of childish. Telling everyone just to have imagination. (laughs) It feels a little bit ridiculous. And... But imagination is the ability to see what is real but often unseen. We know this in a different term. What's this term, the biblical term? Faith. You might want to write that, faith. If you're having a hard time with imagination, you can write faith as the ability to see, if that makes you feel better. But faith, you know, it's our imagination. It's the ability to see what is real but often unseen. So often our understanding of our relationships gets so distorted by what we don't see. By the unseen, we get distorted. Suppose you had a $10,000 debt. Suppose you owe $10,000. And you did not know that an inheritance of $100,000 was about to come your way. It's so easy. wouldn't If you knew that, this huge inheritance is coming your way, wouldn't that affect the way you looked at the $10,000 that you owed? Yeah, everybody's like, yep, it would. I just think I just got to ride this by for a few more weeks, a few more months. Some of you right now, you're stuck because you're, you're wishing, how can I get an inheritance of $100,000? You know, where is that going to come? We often, we see our, our set of $10,000 problems in our relationships or in our life, but we don't see this huge provision that God has made available to us. We don't see the big picture of what God has already done and what He can do in the future. We don't lack explanation. What we do is we're lacking the faith or the imagination We're lacking the the ability to see what is real, but oftentimes it's just in this unseen realm. The writer of Hebrews, he begins in an entire chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, devoted to this idea of faith, the idea of faith. And in this, he lists out characters who, who embody this kind of faith. And look at what it says, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now faith is being sure are confident of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. He's talking, he said, there's people, the heroes of our faith, this is what they were commended for. This is why we look at their stories. This is why we read back in the Old Testament about all these things that the heroes of our faith did because they lived by faith. Now this verse 11, or verse 1 of chapter 11, is not a full definition of faith. But it's a description of what faith does for us. When we have faith and we operate in faith, this is what it does for us. It allows us to dream up things that aren't real. It allows us to picture things in our mind that they are real, but we, we actually can't see them right now. It's, it's the ability to see the unseen in our minds, in a sense. Abram is a guy that he's talked about in this chapter. We're not going to look at the, the chapter, but I'd encourage you, read chapter 11, look at the stories. And then maybe as you're reading... Hebrews chapter 11, look back at the Old Testament. Reference back to the Old Testament stories of these heroes. Abram was a man that he's highlighted in this chapter. I don't have any verses for you, but he's called one of the heroes of our faith. He was commended because of his faith. And Abram was a guy that God told him, hey, I want you to leave your land. Leave your 
your country, your people, everything you know, where you grew up, and go to this land where I'm going to show you. God makes some promises, and he says, I'm going to bless your life. You, are, you will be a great nation. Out of you is going to come this great nation that's going to be blessed by me, God says. They'll be blessed, and you will bless the whole world through this nation. He's making this huge promise to Abram. And so if you can imagine Abram's friends coming up to him and saying, Hey, Abram, why are you packing up all your stuff? Where are you going? Abram probably says, say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I'm leaving, though. I do know that. Well, how long is it going to take for you to get there? How do you even know that you're, you've arrived? I don't know. God says he's going to show me the land. Like, I'm just supposed to go. That's all I really know. He didn't have this clear explanation. And so, Abram, why are you going? His answer probably would have been, well, God, he made a promise. God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And he had to really, by faith, he had to imagine what that looked like. He had to imagine. He had a picture in his mind of what that was. He pictured this great, grand nation. He pictured in his mind the future. He had to do that. He had to, he had to think. He had to begin to imagine what God was doing. Because, obviously, nobody else could see it. He had to take it by faith. So he thought about the nation that God would bless. He thought about how somehow the nation that would come through his line would bless the whole world. These things were on his mind. You can count on it because he knew God was going to keep his word. I don't exactly know how. I can't completely explain it, but I'm just going to lock on to my imagination and in faith take this journey. Later, God tells him another thing. He tells him to sacrifice his son. So years go by, and in order for Abram to be a man who out of him grows a nation, it would require that he has a son. Right? You can't form a nation through a person if they don't have a descendant. And so God makes this promise that out of, you and your wife are going to have a son, this son of promise. But they had to trust God, and when God finally delivered on that promise and they have this son named Isaac, he has to trust God again. God tells him, take your son, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice, as an offering. Like, kill him. Kill your son, the son of promise. And so Abram, he does the same thing. He just does what God says. It says that he, he took his son, he took a donkey, and he took two servants, and he started journeying to a mountain where God told him, I'm going to have you sacrifice your son, your only son. Now somehow Abram, he, 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 Abraham at this point, name has changed, he knows God's going to come through. And you, you read about the story in Genesis 22, and it's, it's really, you can see, he's walking by faith. Because he makes a statement to the servants. It says, when he saw the mountain that God had instructed him to sacrifice his son, he told his servants, here, you stay here with the donkey. We, he says, we, meaning him and his son, we will go up there and worship God, and then we will come back to you. That's a statement of faith. He's somehow still imagining God's going to come through. In my mind, he, he's saying, I don't know how God's going to do this, but we're going to go up and we're coming back to worship you. And he knows the instruction. God says, go up, sacrifice your son. And so he, what he's doing is he's picturing in his mind, God made a promise. There's a nation coming through me. God promised through this son. So, so God's going to provide in some way. And he's thinking about the future. And so what they did is they journeyed up the mountain. And as Abram rose his knife to slay his son, just as God instructed, at the very last moment, God stopped him 
An angel appeared and God said, Abram, don't sacrifice your son. He provided a ram who was caught in a bush in place to sacrifice the place of Isaac. And God came through. God was building a nation of faith through a man who needed to be tested in his faith. He had to start with a man to build that nation upon. We, for us as Christ followers, all of the time our hope has to remain in an invisible God who we cannot, you know, again, he's invisible. We can't see him. We need to be reminded of the unseen things. That's so essential that we remember what is not seen in our world. We do this on a, on a parental level, for those of you who are parents. Parents, when you help your kids with homeworks, whenever they're doing their, their math homework, their English homework, not homeworks, making up a word there, you know, you're, you're kind of imagining their future career. You're going to be... You're gonna be an architect. You know, you like to draw, you're going to be an architect. You're going to, they're going to make amazing buildings that you're going to, you know, you're, you're casting a vision for what they can do. And they, I don't want to do this homework. I don't. You're, you're, you're giving them some imagination. Or whenever, you know, a married couple, a family sits down to talk about their, their finances and how they're trying to save up for some vacations in the future, they're having to imagine, like, the vacation. And the kid's like, Mom, I want some toys right now. Dad, I want some toys right now. And you're like, hey, I know you want some toys right now. But this summer, let me paint a picture in your mind. This is what we're going to be doing. And we're, we're helping them see the fun we're going to have. And, and then everyone's like, okay, I'm going to adjust. The kids can, okay, I can see it. I can see the fun we're going to have, and so I can delay. Now, it's not always that easy, is it? All, all of us know that's, that's a pretty simplistic way. But it, it, we do this. At some point, though, Many of us have just checked out of imagination. The whole idea just sounds so childish. Imagine. Are we supposed to just live in a fairy tale land with our lives? What do we do with our problems? How do we... And so, the last time many of us imagined was... I'm going to show you a couple of videos. Probably will bring up... Conjure up some memories for us of our imagination. But this may have been the last time you imagined. So let's take a look. <laughs> beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so... Let's make the most of this beautiful day Since we're together, we might as well say Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? kid's imagination right here. 
Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it If I'm Grandpa, I'm having words with Willy Wonka about my son's hair. You know, like, <laughs> stay away from my son's hair, Mr. Wonka. I, I don't know about you, but I think for the most part as adults, most of us finished imagining back in junior high or maybe even in elementary school. When we start learning about real life, how things really work and make-believe isn't real, these characters in Disneyland, they're not real, these fairy tales, these, you know, these, these are not real things. We kind of let go of imagination at that point. And so, but imagination is still very, very important. As it relates to faith, it's powerful. And it helps us in certain ways. Specifically, it helps us when our imagination is rooted in the Bible, when it's rooted in the truth of what God says. So imagination, it does a few things. First is it gives us a deeper sense of our identity. Imagination can do this. It helps us see who we really are. Our identity is the unseen realities of who God says we are. We looked at this recently, so we're not going to spend a lot of time. But as a reminder, God says some things in the Bible about who all of us are in Christ. Honestly, if we lose sight of who we are, our relationships suffer. If we forget our identity, then, then we have a hard time understanding um, the possibilities that really exist if we don't know who we are. So it's imperative that we stay in the Word of God so we can look in the mirror and view our identity properly. We have to, the Bible, what it does is it provides a mirror. Book of James, it says it's like you're looking in the mirror. It tells us who we really are. shows us what's wrong with us. It shows us who we really are, the things that are true about us. We need to be looking in it. It's imperative that we look in it. If we're not going to the Bible and allowing God to stir our, our imagination and give us a vision for who we really are, our perspective just gets dominated and overwhelmed by all the things that are wrong in our lives and in our relationships. So we need to go to the source whenever we lack the spiritual sight. This is where God shows us that, yeah, you're going through some hard things, but you have to look at the difficulty in light of the overall context of the big picture of, God, of who God says we are. Here's a fundamental truth about who we are in Christ. There's been a major change 
in the core of our being. Ezekiel, Old Testament prophet about the changed heart that would occur. Look at what it says in Ezekiel 36. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone, from you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. This is talking about in Christ there's going to be an opportunity to have a new heart, to be reborn from the inside. Our hearts were, what God is saying here is, our hearts are like hard as rock. Have you ever tried to plant a garden and you go up with a shovel and you're like, you got, you know, you have an imagination about what you hope to see, but then you go out with it hit the thing, it's just like rock hard. And you're like, okay, I'll water it. Put some additive in it. But still, it's just rock hard. And you find out, yeah, find out from your neighbors, yeah, this, is all, this was all rock up here. And so it's just hard to get through this stuff. You know, that's the truth is, unless you, you actually replace the soil, there has to be this replacement that goes on. That's what God says has occurred in the hearts of His followers. Is He has replaced, in Christ, our hearts of stone with a heart of flesh. In other words, he's taking out that rocky heart that nothing could penetrate, that nothing could change and shape. And now he's given us a new heart that is moldable, it's shapeable. He didn't just throw in new additives, he replaced the heart. He's given us a new heart. And this is part of our identity. There's a possibility because of this. The New Testament says the same thing. Look to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has gone the new has come this doesn't mean that we've become perfect but that our hearts are now again they're moldable they're sensitive they're responsive to the things of god they're alive to god this is an amazing truth about our identity don't lose sight of of who you are if you are a follower of christ so often we get stuck in repeating the same things or we're confronted with the same problems the same failures the same disappointments in life and in our relationships and our track record convinces us that change is not possible. We just think, man, I'll never get past this. They're never going to get past this. We're never going to change. There's no hope for us. And again, we start looking with physical, natural eyes alone. And we don't see what God can do. And so our prayers, they start reflecting something like this. God, please help me. Please, please help me. I'm losing hope. God, please help me. I'm slipping. God, I can't go on. Please help me. And all of our prayers ha- have just a, a tone of... Of, of loss and of hopelessness. God, we're never going to get past this. It's desperation, depressed. They have to make a shift to when we understand our identity of who God says we are, when we recognize the unseen realities that, that are ours in Christ, we can pray a very different kind of prayer. Like, Father, I've minimized what you've said for far too long. And I've maximized all my struggles and all of our problems And I've let that overshadow who you've already said we are and who I am and what you've already done in my life. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I have a future. I have a home in heaven. You're changing me from the inside. You're making me. You're renewing me. God, I'm sorry that I didn't believe there was any hope. There is hope because you're changing me. You've put a new heart that's now moldable. I'm not going to remain discouraged. I, I know you can move me forward. That's faith. Again, he's giving us imagination, the ability to see the realities that are unseen. Along with seeing our identity, imagination also does this. It gives us a deeper sense of God's resources. What has God provided? The unseen realities of His presence with us and God's provision for us. God not only gives us practical advice in the Bible, 
You know, there's answers in His Word. But more than that, He gives us Himself. This is a powerful thing that, again, stretches our imagination. That He is with us. He is present with us. He is our wisdom. He is our strength. He's our refuge. He's our comforter. He's our Father. He's our forgiver. You know, as we recognize God Himself is with us, that changes the way I view things. Look at what Moses said to God. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. The context of this passage is, people of Israel had been delivered from the hand of Pharaoh out of Egypt. They were there as slaves. They're rescued and delivered by Moses. And Moses leads them through this wilderness. Eventually, God has Moses climb this mountain and he presents to him the, the law, or he gives him the Ten Commandments, right? You guys know the story. And while Moses is up on the mountain with God, and God is meeting with him, the people are down below and they're frustrated that Moses is taking so long. And they're like, speed it up. And so they're going to some of the leaders and they're saying, can you speed this up? And they're getting frustrated. Well, some of the leaders get anxious and they give in to the demands of these pushy people while they're just being impatient. And so what do the leaders do? They build something. What do they build? A golden calf. They build this idol. They all start worshiping this idol. Here God is meeting with the leader of this, this group of people, giving them some boundaries for how they're going to relate to him, and they're down partying and rebelling and worshiping an idol. They're breaking the commandments themselves. And God says, God says to him, look, God tells Moses, this people, they're so stubborn, they're so stiff-necked. They're the stiff-necked people. Moses goes down, he sees this party going on, he shatters these Ten Commandments, and then God says, okay, let's try this again. They go through the process again, and then Moses, and then God says, look, I'm going to still lead you to this land. I want you to lead these people to the promised land. This all goes back in many ways to the promise given to Abraham. But he says, I'm still going to lead you to this land, but God says, I'm not going with you because this people is too stubborn. They're too stiff-necked. He said, I'm going to send an angel to go with you and to clear out these lands, to drive out these, these different locations, to drive the people out. But I'm not going with you because if I go with you, God says, I'll consume you on the way. He says, because of your stubbornness, because of their stubbornness. And Moses pleads and he says this, if your presence does not go with us, then... Don't send us up from here. He's like, we don't want to advance without you. Moses recognized the importance of having God near. All the strategies, all the techniques in the world would not help them to go against all the trouble and overwhelming odds that they would face. And Moses pleaded with God, God, please go with us. And God actually granted the request. God led them. His presence led them. Jesus takes this reality of God's presence a step further in the New Testament. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He makes this promise about God's presence. This is, this is what we have. We have God's presence through the Spirit. Look at John chapter 14. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and He will give to you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. He's talking about being present. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He describes his presence in terms of a family relationship. He says, 
I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In the midst of our difficulties in life, we do not have to despair and feel alone. God is present. But it requires faith, imagination to say, you know what, God's with me. He's present with me through every struggle I'm facing. He's not abandoned me. He's walking with me. In fact, He lives inside me through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the person of the Holy Spirit. He goes with me. Now again, you can't see Him. No, no doctor can find God's Spirit inside of those of you who follow Him. You can't find Him on an x-ray. But in faith, we can see with spiritual eyes. We can see that God is with us. We can walk in faith. We can move forward. We can press through things that appear to be obstacles because we can have a moment-by-moment personal relationship with God. What the Bible does is this. The Bible enlarges our imagination by helping us to see things we don't normally see. This is why getting into the Scripture is so critical. We need to be people who, who by faith, read the Word of God and then respond in life based on what God has said is true. We may not see it all. It may be way down the road, but God is still at work. He's still working. We have to put our hope in that. Beyond the Bible, there's some other things. Is something else that stretches our imagination is experiences. Having the right kinds of experiences can also stir or provoke our imagination. What kinds of experiences? One is prayer. Taking the time to pray. We're just ascending, in a sense, into the presence of God, and we're communicating with our Heavenly Father. And we're seeing Him for who He is. We're talking to Him for who He is about what we're really going through. And as we walk through, even prayer walking. Now some people, you go on a walk to a park and you might pray, God, thank You for, for Your creation. All that I'm experiencing is because of Your hand. That What it does is it, ca- it causes us to ascend to, um, to a spiritual level, in a sense, when we start praying. We're, we're, we're moving beyond just the limited view we have and we're seeing an enlarged vision of who God is and what He's trying to accomplish. Also, when we're in fellowship with others, that's an experience. Some of you are in small groups. When you're in fellowship in small groups and you hear people share about their faith, what that does is it stirs our own faith. It grows our imagination. It grows our faith. If you're not in fellowship, again, all you see is your life and your problems. You need others to help you see, you know what, I've walked through that. Here's the possibilities. Here's what I've seen. That stirs us in a really helpful way. Another thing is worship. As we come, one part of worship is singing. It's not the only part of worship, but it's an important part of worship is singing. And as we worship God, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're singing about the truths of God. Many of the things we sing are unseen realities. And we're, just, we're allowing God to stir our hearts. And we're singing powerful spiritual realities about heaven, about our future. And those are very helpful when we're in pain right here and now. Another thing is mission trips, short-term mission trips, long-term mission trips. When we get out of our environment, we're able to see what God is doing around the world. We step out in faith and we learn to trust God for a few weeks, for a month, to just say, God, I'm here to be used by you. Experiences, they're very, very powerful. Even sermons and seminars, they can be experiences that can stir our imagination. But God can use a variety of things to stir our faith. And you and I, we need this in our relationships we need our, our imagination to be working as it relates to our faith, instructed and rooted in the Bible. Not just based on you know fantasy like we saw, but rooted in the truth of what God has already said. We need this. Our world needs this. Our world needs to see Christ followers who are actually living with some faith imagination, 
and not just so focused on all the things that we can only see and the problems that overwhelm us here and now. What, what would that do? That transforms. That transforms entire churches, communities, as people learn to, to walk by faith and not just by sight. As the band comes up and the ushers prepare to receive this morning's tithe and offerings, would you take out this um, white connection card? And on the back you'll see there's some next steps. It says, here's a few things uh, to consider applying this morning's message. First, determine to gain vision during your regular quiet time. That you wouldn't just do your time with the Lord and just read information and say, oh, that was helpful. No, oh, that was helpful. I didn't know that. But that you would relate to God and wait on a vision from Him. A fresh vision from Him for, for your life. And that as you relate to God, that you, He would give you a vision. That He would expand your viewpoint. And that that would empower you to really keep walking by faith day after day. But ask God to give you a vision in your quiet time, not just to learn more about him, but to give you a vision that would expand your viewpoint. And then second, add something into my life to stir up my faith imagination. I shared a few experiences. Maybe it's I need to sing. I need to begin to sing. Or maybe it's I need to take a step out and be a part of a mission trip. We talked about how we're doing a a trip to Toronto in July. I'll be back at the guest information table if you want to learn more about that. I'd love to share with you what our plan is. In, in less than four months. We're going to be going to Canada, helping with some church planning. But that's an experience, again, that expands your vision for what God is doing. There's all sorts of things, but I would encourage you to think through that. The last line is blank, because you can just, if there's something that God is saying to you specifically, that we encourage you to be a person who does what God wants. Respond to Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Bible. And how it gives us a vision that just moves us beyond the problems of life and of relationships. And God, for our relationships that are stuck and that appear to be halted and blocked, Lord, I pray you would just breathe new life into us. Help us to see what you can do because, God, you've you've changed our hearts. And you are continuing to do that. You're changing us from the inside. And there's hope because of what you've done. Lord, I pray for everyone here, God, for our relationships. God, would you help us to have an imagination as we begin to see in our mind the things that you've said are coming to pass or are already true. Help us to not be limited by what we see here and now, but to trust you at a very different level. God, we love you. We need your help to see these things, to do these things. God, even as we give back to you, would you stretch us in, in new ways, God, in our generosity. Thank you for providing for this church in the ways that you have. God, I pray that our people would continue to be faithful, God, as we give back to you what is rightfully yours, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd meet all the needs that our church has. Lord, for Easter and for what's coming up in the future, we trust you, God. You know our needs, and God, we thank you for the group that you've um, used in this church, Lord, to help things move forward, God, for the sake of your mission. Lord, we pray for the week ahead. Help us to live and apply these things. In Jesus' name.